Good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, last week I was in Vandalia. Heard the service here though was good. Had a great Easter. Uh, it was great last week. We had six. Se- no, six. Six services. Uh, seven baptisms in Vandalia. Yeah. <clears throat> Easter Sunday, seven baptisms. Praise God. Brand new church on there. But we did six services because we had the sunrise service here. And then we had, uh, 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 let's see, first service in, in South Carolina, including our South Carolina church. And then first service here. And then we did uh, the service down in Vandalia at 10 o'clock. And then we did second service in South Carolina. And then second service here. Boom! Pretty good! <laughs> so it's just exciting to be part of a church that's uh, growing, expanding, and, and uh, I just love that the momentum has continued even though we've multiplied, and I just believe that's the way God intends it. So we've been talking on hearing God's voice, and this week we're going to continue on that. going to change direction a little bit. Um, oh God, make the clicker work. The clicker is not working. <laughs> There we go. All right, yeah, it's working. So uh, uh, the whole quarter is talking about intimacy, and uh, the first month was on hearing God's voice. Prophecy, we're going to shift a little bit uh, during this time to talk about prophecy, and prophecy is simply sharing God's voice. So we learn how to hear God's voice, and now we're going to talk a little bit about sharing uh, God's voice or sharing what we hear, and especially how prophetic ministry prophecy works on a Sunday morning or within a church service context. Now, the word prophecy is a little tricky, and I've tried to find an alternate word because it's kind of loaded. Uh, A lot of people think when you hear the word prophecy, you're talking about the end times, about when Jesus comes back, when, you know, heaven and earth melt and all that stuff, or (laughs) whatever your theology may be. And that's not at all what uh, prophecy means most of the time throughout Scripture. It's talking, the word itself... uh, is forth telling. It's telling the word or the message the, of, of God uh, for the individual or the, or the moment, as opposed to prophetic, uh, which does, it can mean telling of future events, and it is used that way throughout Scripture. But what we're talking about is prophetic ministry, which is simply hearing God's voice and sharing what you hear with those uh, that uh, God wants you to share. And our goal is to demystify it and, um, and understand that it's really something that shouldn't be scary. Now, if someone walks up to you and they say they just heard God say something, there should be a bit of caution. <laughs> All right? It's okay to like go, they actually think God speaks to them? Or he thinks, you know, you know what I'm talking about? It's all right to go, wait a minute, because some people are put into psychiatric treatment, right? Because they think God is speaking to them. And so it's not irrational. In fact, it's rational to go, wait a minute, this guy thinks God's talking to them. Um, And so you should have some uh, concern and you want it to be done in a way that is healthy, that is appropriate, and it's biblical. So the, the, the issue is that, yes, sometimes crazy people think they hear God and are legitimately crazy. <laughs> but 
sane people hear God too. And in fact, the whole Bible, if you believe in the Bible, the entire book, it was written by people who heard God and wrote it down. Okay, so the premise of the entire of Scripture is that people can hear God. And if you believe that people can't hear God, then you should throw away your Bible. An evangelical Christian gets all upset if we say throw away the Bible. And so, but the Bible is written down words that people heard God. So that makes sense. So it's actually really not only legitimate, it's, it's, it should be expected. Because the Bible teaches, that, uh, Jesus said clearly, my sheep hear my voice. And all throughout Scripture, it's um, people hearing God. And, and so we need to learn how to hear God's voice. That's why we've been teaching on it. And we need to learn how to function in prophecy and, and how it, it should be ministered within the context of a church service. And so our goal is simply to minister like Jesus. And that's really the, the goal for the, all of the ministry here in, in New Day Community Church. It, Jesus did not have to water down Scripture, right? He was the Word, and so uh, He preached it, and He did not, Jesus did not have to hide the Holy Spirit. He wasn't um, uh, overly careful about uh, uh, doing things that might seem supernatural. In fact, He healed people, He cast demons out, He raised people from the dead. But He did it in a way that on churched or uh, at the time non-religious people were drawn to it okay so he he preached powerfully in fact the sermon on the mount takes everything in the old testament and multiplies it like a hundred times more severe and strict but he did it in a way that people tens of thousands of people would flock to hear him and so we want to minister all of the things of, the, of God, all of the things in Scripture, what we want to do it in a way that is, uh, reflects the character of Jesus' ministry and develop a culture within our congregation of a healthy prophetic ministry that is free. There's a lot of freedom, but it's also safe. All right? So, uh, just interesting, <clears throat> I um, saw this last night and I, I had to uh, pop it into my notes. Uh, Chris Vallathan, many of you may know him, he's one of the pastors at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and they're really significant uh, ministry uh, all over the world, very influential. But he wrote this last night, and I thought, wow, that's just what I'm preaching on. It says, prophecy is like a nuclear weapon in the hands of a believer. It is important that we embrace the king of prophetic culture that calls out our destiny and reminds us of God's work in our lives. If we despise, reject, or do not believe in prophecy, we play into the enemy's hands by laying down a vitally important weapon in our warfare. And so prophecy is a powerful weapon for today, and we need it. The warfare that we're in is against principalities and powers. It's against uh, demonic influences and, and worldly influences and fleshly influences that are contrary to the things of the kingdom. And we're at war with that. And we need prophecy because it's such a powerful weapon against the weapons of the enemy that try to tear us down and, and bring us down. And so prophecy is very powerful. I just want to share just a little tidbit. One, it blew me away. And two, it kind of um, 
highlights uh, the significance of prophecy in our day. So sorry. Uh, I, this past week, I was in Toronto for our regional uh, partners in Harvest, the leaders of churches in our network for the Ontario. I know I'm not in Ontario, but we're next door to Ontario. <laughs> and so I went over to connect with uh, some of the pastors there. So I spent three days in Toronto <coughs> with all these pastors. And uh, one night they were talking um, about some... Uh, things happening worldwide and, and it had to do with Pope Francis. All right? Now, I don't know where you all are. Maybe you love Pope Francis. Maybe you're Catholic, former Catholic. I respect the Catholic Church. Maybe you have a lot of problems with the Catholic Church because of whatever. Uh, so regardless of all that, let's just recognize that one billion plus people worldwide look at the Catholic Church as their church and respect that. And so um, God can certainly use that, eh? <laughs> so <clears throat> what am I talking about? What does prophecy got to do with the Catholic Church? <laughs> Well, uh, one of the pastors and partners in Harvest, she wasn't there. Her and her husband passed her in Canada, but I know them. Uh, Stacy Campbell, Weston Stacy Campbell, and um, Dan Slade, the head of our organization, said it wasn't that long ago, about a year ago, I can't remember the dates, he didn't give me the specific dates, but it was prior to Francis being chosen the Pope. Right, so this is when he was still just uh, a cardinal or a bishop or whatever he was, a cardinal in Argentina. <clears throat> I also happen to know that he hung around a lot of revivalists down there, and there's a lot of a lot of revival happening in South America, and he happened to know a lot of revival leaders. So uh, he was at some uh, event that Stacy Campbell went to Argentina, and Stacy Campbell. Uh, apparently had a word from the Lord that God was going to promote this man because of his humility to be the next Pope. And she just thought, like, wow, that's, she got the prophetic word. She's very prophetic. And she wasn't going to do anything with it. This is cardinal, a big giant meeting. But they, were, they had the opportunity to receive prayer. And she, she asked if, she asked through an interpreter if Francis would pray for her. But the interpreter confused it and interpreted it, would he mind if she prayed for him? <laughs> so all of a sudden, she's in the place where she's got to pray for this guy. And uh, if you know Stacey Hamble, if she's going to prophesy, you can't hold her back. <laughs> and she ends up prophesying out loud in a public setting that he was going to be the next pope. <laughs> yeah! And a few months later, the existing pope, first time in, what, hundreds of years, resigns. And, and Francis gets hurt. You think that caught his attention? <clears throat> I think it's pretty cool. And then, I thought that was cool enough. But then this guy, I don't know him well, but he's always been around. He's one of the Catch the Fire pastors. His name is Bruno, <laughs> the Italian guy. He gets up and he's talking about some other things going on within the, within the Catholic Church. And Steve Long, who's the pastor of all the Catch the Fire churches, uh, came up to me and said, Bruno, he's being really humble here. Um, he said, Bruno's actually been asked, he's been appointed by the Catholic Church to be the primary um, liaison between the uh, uh, North American Evangelical Charismatic Churches and the Catholic Church. And he's been asked by the Vatican, get this, uh, he's been asked by the Vatican to select five prophetic ministers to come and spend half a day with the Pope later this year to prophesy over the Pope. I'm going, right, who are these people I hang out with? Right? 
That's amazing. And and Stacy Campbell's just a regular. If just you just a regular. Bruno, you wouldn't even think he was a Christian if you saw him. <laughs> you know. And so God uses prophets. It's very very possible. Uh, uh, it's very very powerful, and it's something that God is using today in many many circles. And we want it to be functioning and flowing here. So we just want to talk a little bit about how prophecy functions within the context of a local church. Uh, Paul writes in First Corinthians says, and the God declares. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. In uh, Amplified, puts it this way: <clears throat> Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And this verse, or Paul's expression, what God is saying here, is one continuous thought. It's not like two options. He's saying, pursue love and desire spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. So there's like a funnel of thought here that love and gifts and prophetic ministry are all the same same thing. It's expressions of this passion that we should have towards the things of God. And it's not like there's two options, like, well, I'm going to be prophetic and you can be the one who loves, you know. (laughs) Or I'm just going to enjoy the love of God and somebody else can be prophetic. Now, that misses the point. Paul's actually bringing these two ideas together. And uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, one of the most famous chapters in Scriptures, it's the chapter on love. And, and many people are familiar with it, but some people forget that it's placed in between chapters 12 and chapters 14, and both 12 and 14 are all about spiritual gifts. And so what we have here is, is the, the Bible, uh, um, you know, especially those who think that gifts may not be for today, they need to realize or consider that the Scripture presents the gifts and love is inseparable. They're interwoven aspects of New Testament ministry. And the the talk about gifts leads into the discussion of what love really is, which leads into the practical application of how the gifts are to function. There really is uh, a point that in chapter 13, I think, emphasizes that the goal of every gift is love. And if you have love, the love of God flowing in you, you should express that through the supernatural uh, spiritual gifts that He gives. All right? And so let's just talk some, uh, uh, about how uh, this works in a church. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So these three words, edification means strengthening or building up. And you may be familiar with the word an edifice. Right? A building uh, is from the same word edify. It means literally to build something. And so to build someone up or to strengthen, to support. <clears throat> and so prophecy produces edification. It also is exhortation, which means lifting up or encouraging. And so uh, it's, there's a sense of it should produce a strengthening, a building up, but also an encouraging, a stirring up, and then comfort, which is a holding up. Uh, 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 it should accomplish, I believe, all three. I think all three uh, um, are required. Prophecy should stay within all of these boundaries, all three of these boundaries. I think prophecy should be uh, edifying, um, exhortive, and comforting. And I don't, I actually think that, you know, 
you can have a prophecy that's mostly uh, edification or mostly comfort, but really, he's saying, Scripture says, all prophecy should be all three of these and should have an element. Now, there's a teaching. If you read books or if you listen to ministers or if you just listen to people talk who've read books or studied prophecy, uh, there's an idea that has the implication that this verse applies to beginner prophecy or just in general prophecy or, or like novice prophecy. But prophets you know, operate on a, a higher level. Uh, and that if you have an office of prophet or you've been prophesying for a lot, well, then you can do other things like, like uh, correction and, and, and direction and, and more, more severe or significant words. <clears throat> And I would like to suggest that I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. What I see is all prophecy. Right? That prophecy is to be edificated. Now, the, the truth is that someone who functions in the office of a prophet can have more directive or corrective words. But that, that direction and that correction better be um, uh, edifying. If it tears you down, it's not prophecy. It's accusation. It's not from God, it's from the enemy. Or they take something that is from God and they flesh it out. <laughs> As in, they make it all fleshy. <laughs> That's what I meant by fleshing it out. <laughs> Alright, are you with me? Uh, and so, no matter how um, mature or seasoned a prophetic minister is, man, when you hear the word, it should, you should walk away edified, encouraged, and comforted. All right. Uh, even if it's a severe thing, if it's something serious, uh, or if it's something that has some accuracy or something condition applied to it, it still should communicate all three of those. <clears throat> and I think prophecy will end when we no longer need edification or comfort or exhortation. It's something that is necessary uh, in the church, and this is a tool that God's given us to accomplish that end. And Paul writes a little bit further down more concerning prophecy. It says, If the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and so we're not, this sermon is not on tongues. I can talk about tongues another time. Uh, but it's, uh, the chapter addresses both speaking in tongues and, and prophecy and other gifts. So Paul's writing, If everyone comes together and everyone's speaking with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. So that here's another uh, part of what prophecy can happen, can, can communicate, is, is convincing someone or conviction. Uh, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now, um, just to clarify what was likely going on in the Corinthians church, which was probably a large church by this time, could have been hundreds if not thousands of people gathering together, and they were getting too zealous about the spiritual gifts, and likely what they were doing is get a whole bunch of people in a room and just speak in tongues all at the same time. <clears throat> and I've actually been in rooms with thousands of people speaking in tongues at the same time. And it's powerful. It's a great thing to do at a conference. It's a great thing to do at a meeting where you're there just to push in and go deeper. It's not a good thing to do on a Sunday morning when, you, when your purpose is to open door, let people come in, invite people, because if you do that, 
people think you're crazy. <laughs> and the Bible says that. No, no, it'd be an appropriate thing. And so, um, so Paul is trying to teach them the right way to, to flow in spiritual gifts. But he's saying, you know, if you're prophesying, then there has some fruit because they can understand what's going on and they'll be brought into an experience of God. So prophecy is supposed to be part of a New Testament church experience, according to the scriptures. It's supposed to be part of it. And First uh, <clears throat> uh, Corinthians is talking about how the gifts are to be used in public meetings and how to get it right. Um, spiritual gifts are to be done in a way that is sensitive to those who are uninformed or unbelievers. I think it's really uh, important for us as uh, a church that embraces the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that they are for today. But right in Scripture, <clears throat> the condition or the reason that Paul gives this uh, explanation is for the sake of uninformed or unbelievers. And so being sensitive to how an uninformed or unbeliever uh, would respond to the use of a spiritual gift is very biblical. It's charismatic. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay? So <laughs> being Holy Spirit-led is keeping in mind how you are functioning in the gift uh, how it's going to impact those who are, are unbelievers. Does that make sense? And that's where a lot of people get all uptight about seeker-sensitive things. And I think the premise of being a seeker-sensitive church is really good. You just don't want to get overboard. And, you know, we don't forbid the practice. That would be the error. Because later in Scripture it says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. And in several places it says, don't despise prophecy. And so we don't forbid them. We just find a way to do it so that uninformed or unbelievers... Now, real quick, notice that there's two categories. There's uninformed and there's unbelievers. That means there can be believers who are uninformed. All right? And even in the book of Acts, there were believers who hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. And so the apostles pray for them, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues and prophesying. Alright? And so we have today lots of Christians. They're genuine Christians. They're really believers. They're going to heaven. They're preaching the gospel. People are going to say, it's good. But they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit or the gifts. They, they, don't, they know stuff about the Holy Spirit. They don't know, uh, they're uninformed about speaking in tongues and prophecy and these charismatic gifts. And you know what? That's great. Love on them. Don't worry about it. Our job is not to convince them to do church our way. Our job is to do church and to be a Christian the way that you've been led. All right? Now, if they're interested in their ass, share with them. Uh, so, the uninformed is a legitimate aspect of there are Christians who just don't know. And then there's unbelievers who are people who have not yet come in relationship with Jesus. So, he continues on. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you have a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. And the vision of church is that you come to church with something to share, not just to receive. And, and maybe you share in, 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 at the coffee thing, or in children's ministry, or maybe you have a revelation or a psalm that you want to share. Uh, all of those things are forms of sharing, and there's a, a multiplication of, of different opportunities, but all of them have the purpose of edifying or building up the church. So, uh, verse 29 kind of gets a little more detailed. It says, Let two or three prophets speak, and the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. This is actually really practical, how to do nuts and bolts kind of stuff uh, that we find in Scripture. 
Paul continues, says, you know, you all can prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not an author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So there's a lot of stuff in here that we can learn to apply on how to minister in the prophetic. And I'll draw out just a few things. Prophecy should be limited to two or three. Right? That's what he just said, right? But two or three prophets speak, and then the others judge. And so, and then he goes on and says, you know, everybody could prophesy. Say, we all may prophesy. We all may prophesy. Yeah. And so, uh, but in a service, you should have two or three. Um, once prophecy gets rolling, there is, there is, there's like a, there's what they call a spirit of prophecy that comes on a place and man, oh man, man, you can have prophecies that go for two, three hours. In fact, one of the meetings at the Partners and Harvesting, they had a speaker came all the way from Kansas City and we never had him speak because there was this prophecy after prophecy after prophecy and we spent the whole night prophesying over people. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great for a conference. That's great for a retreat. All right? Because it was on an evening where people came together for a purpose of getting a word from God but that's not the expectation for Sunday morning. Because cause the person who's, who's come to teach, you know, I kind of think God's given me the, a word to share. <laughs> you know? Now, we sometimes will break into that, and that's great. When it happens, we love it. And, and our worship team's taught to be sensitive to that. So every now and then, yeah, let's do it. Let's have a service where we just let it roll. But in general... The, the vision is let two or three speak and then the other prophesy. Um, and understanding that um, uh, there is really freedom for everyone to prophesy. It's, it's not reserved just for a few. But in a public meeting, we do it in an orderly way. Now, I'm going to go through some of the ways that we do it orderly. And, and here at New Day, the, the role of keeping prophetic ministry orderly is upon primarily the MC. So in this service, Graham is the MC, uh, and um, it's shared with the worship leader <coughs> as to how we're going to flow in the prophetic. And so we teach the MCs that they're responsible. This is the way we've been doing it, actually, for quite a long time, but we realized we never talked about it. <laughs> so we want everyone to understand how we, how we operate. So the MC's responsibility is to determine if whatever God's placed on your heart is appropriate for that moment or for that service. <clears throat> it's not deter- they are not determining whether or not what you're hearing or seeing or feeling is from God. You know, that is between you and God. Their job is just to determine, uh, is it, does it fit with what God wants to do uh, in this service right now? And um, that's their responsibility as, as part of the pastoral team of leading the church. And understanding that the, the purpose of Sunday morning, you know, there's a flow. And we want to stay within the flow of what the Holy Spirit is leading the worship team, the pastor, the uh, teacher, and uh, then whatever prophetic words that come. Everyone who desires to share a word during the service should submit it concisely to the MC. The MC will then determine if and how the word can be shared. So that's where you'll see someone come up and, and approach the MC. And generally we ask that uh, the MC is like, well, what, what do you have? And they'll say, well, I kind of see, you know, in the first service it was, you know, I see, I'm seeing this vision with, with lions and, and all this stuff. And so the MC shows, okay, that sounds good. We'll go with it. Um, uh, and so that applies to everyone. Uh, 
It's okay. Everyone say it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. To have the MC say, it's not for right now. All right. Oh, okay. This is, oh, that's great. All right. I think that, I think we're going to wait on that. Don't go, oh, I missed it. Don't go, oh, he doesn't like me. Oh, I'm in trouble now. Oh, I knew it wasn't from God. Hey, it might have been from God. Amen. Uh, it just might. The MC doesn't feel that it fits to be shared right at this point. All right, and that's okay. And in fact, what I want to see happen, this is my vision, is that not maybe not every service, but normally, so people will come up, share something with the MC, and the MC will go. Not sure about that right now. Could you hold on to it? Let's see. And someone goes and then sits back down. And someone else will go up and they'll come up to the front. And someone else will come up and they'll go, no, let's sit down. All right? But we'll have two or three share. And, and the other people that don't share don't feel like they've made a mistake. What we're doing is that, that keeps it safe. Uh, and everyone here, and this is for the uninformed, the unbelievers, or people that don't know what's going on, will see, oh, this isn't just a free-for-all. Yeah. Okay, it's actually something that's pastored. <clears throat> and that will actually, what, the goal will be better prophetic ministry and more prophetic ministry. Because yeah. right? it's, it's kept safe and it's nurtured. All right. Uh, perhaps it is something that has already been shared. The MC feels that it doesn't need to be added to. Just like Paul wrote. says so if, if somebody shares something and someone, uh, um, another person gets up and says, Here, don't have the first one get up and say something else. Because okay? that's tapping. He's explaining what happens when the prophetic starts happening. Somebody shares, somebody else shares, and that triggers either the first prophet or another prophet to go, Oh, yeah, and then there's this. And once that gets going, man, it can just go and go and go. And that's exciting and great if that's what the purpose of the meeting is for. But in a church service, you need to monitor that. You need to pastor it so that it's healthy. Uh, or perhaps some, it's something the MC feels you've received in order just to pray into and not to publicly share. And the bulk of prophetic revelations, the bulk of when you see things or experience things uh, uh, spiritually in your mind's eye or God speaks to you, it's to lead you to intercede. So if you're in worship service and you sense that there's a tension in the spirits and there's you know, a pulling of, of people and distraction, the first thing you do is just say, God, I just pray that you would break through that tension and that people would be pulled into you. And you just start praying that. And then later maybe God will tell you, well, you need to say something and then go up and submit it to the MC. Perhaps it's something that needs to wait. I've often told people that I don't think the timing is right. <clears throat> and if I think that that changes, I'll come and get them. And then sometimes I'll go get them. Yeah. You know, especially if I, they come up and they say something, I'm like, eh, you know, I don't think it quite fits right now. Let's wait on that. You know, she goes out, sits down, and somebody else comes up and says the same thing. I'm like, oh, maybe this is from God. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's exciting. That, that's uh, fun to see how that. So the MC can also ask you to share what you've seen or heard, and then have, and then they can come up and share the gist of it. All right. In other words, MC has that authority and responsibility that they felt, ah, oh, that's really good, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share that. Uh, uh, if, if they think it will flow better with the service. They're also instructed not to allow anyone that they don't know 
up on the stage. So even if you've been coming to the church for months, because we have multiple services and all that, different MCs, it's very hard to know everyone. Um, you have to be a member of the church to come up in front of the church and, and share publicly. And maybe you are a member of the church, but the MC doesn't know that. And so uh, what they can do is say, well, share with me what you feel. And then they can choose to come up and say, so-and-so just had this word. And, and, and they can communicate. Does that make sense? You know, if it's God, He has something to communicate. He can communicate it. We just need to learn how to do it in a way that's healthy uh, and uh, creates a, a, a culture that's safe as well as free. Um, MC is also allowed to get input from, you know, if I'm here, whoever's speaking or one of the other leaders, they can, they can take uh, what you're saying and let me bounce that off someone. What I'm asking is that you honor the MC's role and the worship leader's role in, in determining what's right for now and what can wait and trust that if it's God, he'll communicate it. <laughs> and we won't miss something uh, because God's in control, right? He's sovereign. Is this good? Yeah. Today's message is more of just a teaching on how we do church, uh, but it's important that we're all on the same page. <clears throat> if you're allowed to share, the MSC will introduce you and usually stand up here with you. Happened this morning perfectly. Uh, uh, Chris shared a word. And they might follow up with the word if they feel it would help. So uh, uh, Graham followed up and, and led in a prayer. And so that's just, again, the MC functioning to help the service flow together according to how they feel the Holy Spirit's leading. If you share, please use your own voice and not someone else's. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Don't talk like this. No. <laughs> don't, don't get... Pentecostal, God bless the Pentecostals, but you know, you don't have to go, Thus saith the Lord, God is coming with vengeance. Yes! See, I'd make a great Pentecostal. Praise God! Hallelujah! How would I do a whole sermon like that? Would you like that? Okay. Prophecy is not more spiritual or anointed if you spit. All right. <clears throat> or talk King James. Uh, you know, if somebody prophesies like that, don't judge them. They might have a really good word. They were probably just brought up in a church. Well, that's all they heard. Yeah. <clears throat> don't say, thus says the Lord, unless you are quoting a Bible verse that uses those words. So, you know, if God's saying it, let him prove it. You don't have to, you know, hit, 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 use those words to prove it. It's better to say, I see, or I think, or I feel God is saying, or God's brought this to my attention. All right? And so that's just as easier to receive. <clears throat> uh, mistakes are usually made in interpretation. If God gives you a picture, don't force an interpretation. So it's okay just to share, I see, I see, you know, I see a, 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 a lake, or a, a large body of water, and I just see that water dividing. And, and, and in the middle of the water, there's just a clear path that can be easily walked across. No interpretation needed. That was a prophetic word, by the way. Don't try to explain yourself. <clears throat> 
Simply share what God... You know, you don't have to explain why you're feeling this way or I woke up this morning and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and that happened and this happened and this happened and then I got to church and this happened. You know, okay, that's great. We don't need all of that. Just get to the Word. <laughs> all right? Try to concisely share uh, what God's put on your heart in a clear way. And when you're done, Stop! <laughs> All right. Uh, it will make the word more effective. <clears throat> All right. Finally, uh, kind of close up. Love. Uh, Paul says this uh, concerning prophecy in the in the chapter eleven and thirteen. Says love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. So prophecies fail. Not all words are a hundred percent. I actually came across a website when I was researching this, doing some study on this, and I was reading through it. And he's like page and page. He's ranting on about how, you know, if 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 if, if prophecies are really from God, they have to be 100% accurate. If they're not 100% accurate, they're not from God. Therefore, prophecy is not for today. And anyone who claims to be prophesying needs to be uh, labeled a false prophet and basically stoned. <laughs> I'm like, what well, doesn't he read this part? That prophecies fail? Uh, and that we prophesy in part? That means it's partially we're accurate and partially we're not. And... Uh, and that it's actually not okay to, not only is it okay to fail, it's biblical. It's okay for prophets to fail. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, false prophets, even in the Old Covenant, the prophet that was stoned was a prophet that led people to follow another god. Right? And many prophecies are conditional upon the response of the people. Right? And so whether something happens or not is often dependent on whether people respond correctly. Okay? <clears throat> um, false prophets are people that lead, are, lead people to heresy, not genuine believers that make a mistake. So it's okay to, uh, to prophesy something and not have it be 100% accurate. Although, one thing is, if you do share something and you come up and share a scripture you're a little more guaranteed to be sharing something accurate. I just want to give a plug that sharing Scripture is, is, is actually the most powerful prophetic way. It's hearing a word of God that you can share something uh, for the moment. <clears throat> powerful, powerful way to share uh, prophets. First Corinthians 14.20, a little more on this idea of uh, maybe, maybe you get, sometimes they're not accurate 100%. First Corinthians 14.29 says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Thessalonians, another place to another church. Do not despise prophecy. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. If prophecy is no longer for today, why does the Bible teach us to test it and judge them? In fact, almost every place prophecy is mentioned in the New Testament, it's accompanied with the exhortation to judge it. All right? You wouldn't have to judge it. It was guaranteed to be 100% accurate. All right? <laughs> Likewise, if we are never to make a mistake in prophecy, why are we told? Uh, so not only is it for today, but there's an implication, because we have to judge it and test it, that it's not going to be 100%. We have to have maturity. And until Jesus, that which is perfect, comes, uh, returns, we are to function as a church, just like the Bible describes, a place where prophecy is, is normal. And prophecy is done in a way that brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. Finally, in Revelation 19, John is uh, getting this prophetic revelation of, of 
what uh, is happening in the spirit realm and of the end times. And uh, he says, I, I fell at his feet, the person who appeared to him showing things that will to come to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and one of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so we find here in, in this passage that there is a connection between the testimony of Jesus, testifying of who Jesus is and, 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 and drawing people into relationship and worship with Jesus and the spirit of prophecy. And so the person is saying, listen, prophecy is all about drawing attention to Jesus Christ. Don't worship me, worship Jesus. And so the reason we flow and function and learn how to operate in hearing God's voice and sharing God's voice prophetically is because it testifies of Jesus. It's now inspiration and it's incarnational. Okay? Incarnation means to be in flesh in a body. And that's how God works. He takes uh, vessels of clay uh, like us. Uh, maybe we're not perfect. Maybe we have little cracks and chips. But He fills us with His Word and His glory. And then He uses us as vessels to pour that out on people. And that's what prophecy is. Alright. Uh, um, <clears throat> real quick here. Uh, uh, Graham's going to come up and lead us in a time of a response, but uh, just going back to what, where we started, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Now, how is your pursuit of love? Are you desiring spiritual gifts? And are you in the right relationship with God so that you can receive those? I'm just going to ask Graham to close up. Thank you. All right.